Hey everyone, this is Pastor Mark Page. Welcome to my Word from God podcast. It's time for a word, a word from God. Hey everybody, this is Mark Page. Um, Again, I am a pastor. I'm a student pastor at Crestview Baptist Church in Canton right now, soon to be going to plant a new church in Vermont, in New England. Um, And I just felt like with all the, it's March 25th, so with all the coronavirus um, scares, concerns, one of the ways that I could reach people would be to do a podcast. And so I'm excited about doing this. Um, I don't want it to be cliche. I don't want it to be um, anything less than God wants it to be or anything more. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a series of what I believe God wants me to share with you, just some truths I've learned about terrors and temptations. In today's uh, session, we're going to be talking about the originator of both of those. And as you all know, Satan is really the originator of temptation and terror, and God um, is not tempted, nor does he tempt anyone, as James tells us. So what I'm going to do today is we're going to focus in on the originator of terrors and temptations. We're going to start with temptation today, and uh, the, the title for this is just that Satan is the originator and creator of temptation. And here's the deal. He desires to get you in this time to get distracted, to get taken away from what God wants you to do. Satan wants to use the coronavirus to instill fear, panic, distraction, and lies into the heart of God's people and also all people. So, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the source of temptation because I feel like a lot of times when you experience um, something like this, the first step should be to go to Christ with it. But a lot of times our first step is not that. Our first step is to to go buy all the toilet paper in the whole world or our first step is to um, go hide away. And so maybe we need to wash our hands. Maybe we need to isolate. That's fine. Um But one thing that I know about isolation is that that is right where Satan wants people. Completely and totally isolated, unable to function, not around other believers, not gathering, not getting together. And so here's the deal. Temptation will always hit you hardest when you are isolated and alone. And we're going to look at Genesis um, for just a few minutes to talk about how we can see, how we can recognize temptation how we can fight temptation, how we can overcome the devil, and how we can um, actually succeed through temptation and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit walk out of it and into victory. I want to encourage you today with this truth. Um, there is a weapon formed against God's church, but it is not stronger than God. There is a weapon formed against all people, but it is not stronger than God. There are a lot of weapons formed against you, but the Word says that they will not prosper, and they will prosper until we go to the Word and discover how to overcome the enemy. 
So I want to take us to Genesis chapter 2. God in Genesis chapter 1 has created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light that was light. He created everything in, in six literal days. On the seventh day, he rested. It says, then the Lord God took, in Genesis two fifteen took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. It's interesting to me that God gives Adam this incredible task to name all the animals, to, to, to tend and care for and have a purpose and have a mission. And he gives him one instruction. He says, don't eat from this tree. And then it goes on, and you see in Genesis 2.18 that God makes Eve for Adam, and, and, and he puts Adam to sleep, takes a rib out, and, and then he heals up the spot that he took the rib from. And then Adam looks at Eve, and he says, man, she's good looking. His way of saying that was, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's marriage. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now we see temptation enter. Up to this point, we have perfect harmony. Man has perfect relationship with God. There's nothing, there's no temptation except for just one command. Keep this one command, Adam, and you'll be fine. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then we see that the enemy, as Revelation calls that serpent of old, the dragon. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Take a moment here to realize that actually God said you will surely die, but she framed it as lest you die, as if to say there's a chance we could die if we eat it. Then the serpent, verse 4, says this, Genesis 3, 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband who was with her, who was with her, let me repeat that, this is not a glitch, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. All of a sudden, they know how to sew fig leaves. Kind of interesting. And they made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. At this point in time, man enters into a deep, long, painful 
relationship with shame. At this point in time, total freedom becomes total bondage. This recognition of sin, this recognition of nakedness, is innocence leaving man and bondage and sinfulness and unrighteousness taking the place of innocence. So he said, God speaking, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman who gave you, or who you gave to be with me, she gave it to me and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. At this point, God tells the serpent that he's going to have to crawl on his belly for all of his life. And um, and we see that the promise in Genesis 3.15, the proto-euangelion, that's the promise that there was, that's the first gospel. We see that the seed of, the, of, of mankind, we know that to be Jesus, is one day going to crush the head of Satan. Um, but Satan has like bruised the heel of man. I want to pray, and then I just want to dive in for a few minutes and break down a few things I think are very interesting about temptation that we can draw from this text. Father, we love you. I thank you for everyone who's listening. I pray that this um, podcast, in this moment, God, as we look at your word and temptation and how to deal with it, Lord, I just pray that you would give us clarity, that you would give me the ability to share your word. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would work, um, that you would take away any lies of Satan right now in this moment. He doesn't want people to hear that they can overcome temptation. He doesn't want people to to win. He doesn't want people to be victorious, but Jesus, you have won the victory. We are more than conquerors in you. We're alive. We're no longer dead in sin. And so, God, we offer our hearts to you in this moment, and we ask for your revelation. Um, This is called a Word from God podcast, so God, it wouldn't be right unless you spoke. So God, we're asking your word to speak, your spirit to move in in this moment right now to help me break down what you want to say to your church and to anyone who may be listening. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now we're going to go back to Genesis 3.1 and we're going to, I'm going to draw a few truths out of each verse here. He says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. One thing that you must know in spiritual warfare uh, with terrors and temptations, in this case specifically temptation, face-to-face contact with the enemy and, and the temptation that he has is this. Satan is not stupid when it comes to causing people to stumble. Satan isn't just another animal. That's a whole different animal. You can write that down if you're taking notes. This is a whole different animal. He's more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now we know, based on the New Testament and based on those who have overcome Satan, that the word says resist the devil and he will flee from you in James. In Peter it says... Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, means your opponent, your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy. In this moment, 
Satan initiated conversation with humanity for the purpose of twisting truth and causing people to stumble. The greatest mistake that Eve made in this moment was that she responded in cordial, casual conversation with Satan. First thing I would say is Satan is a whole different animal. You got We've got to recognize that he's cunning. He's smart. And listen, if you're going to outsmart sin, you got to realize that, that, that Satan's lies are going to look good. They're going to sound good. That pleasures are going to feel good. But they're temporary. They're not going to last. And that what they're really going to do is bring death. And so he says, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Satan's lies always cast doubt on God's truth. If I'm ever going to be victorious over temptation, I've got to realize that the truth is my standard and I will not budge from it because thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's, there's something that has to happen in me where I realize that God's truth is the foundation for all of my victory. But Satan wants to question God's truth and God's word to you first. And then Eve engages in conversation, and the woman said to the serpent, hey, don't talk to the serpent. Resist the devil. Be sober, be vigilant. If she would have recognized that the, you never recognize the consequences for sin when you're in the middle of the temptation to sin. So in this moment, had Eve recognized that the enemy was going to cast them out of the garden or, or cause them to sin and be cast out of the garden and she was going to have to have pain and childbearing and all the things that were going to happen and that every person was going to be under the curse of sin after her and Adam and even them at this point, she wouldn't have done it. But, but Satan offered her an alternative route, a pleasureful route that just barely deviated from what God had said with the way he presented it. So what he says is, uh, well, she says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it or touch it lest you die. Right now we have a good conversation going on. Shouldn't have a conversation at all, but at this point in time, she repeats the truth of God almost correctly. She says, lest you die, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. God had actually said, like I said earlier, that you're surely going to die. Then this is where the serpent starts to set the hook with the temptation. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. That stands in direct contradiction to what God had said. You can know this about temptation. That the ugliest form of the temptation that the enemy is trying to get you with, the true form of it, what it actually looks like, what it actually is, if it's lust, if it's pornography, if it's uh, a spiritual anger that comes from the enemy, whatever the temptation, if it is to slander and, you, and, you, and it feels good in a moment but you know it's hurting someone else, whatever that thing is, the ugliest, purest, I say pure as in like most clear version of that temptation will be directly contradictory to what God has said. Now, Satan has a lot of pretty, you know, cunning, 
slippery ways to get you to believe that it's not that bad in the moment. But what the the point is in this scripture here is that Satan will get you started down the trail of temptation, and then when he sets the hook, he will have you there completely denying what God said and that what God said is true. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And then he plays on her pride in verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, in temptation, Satan's a whole different animal. Don't initiate or have a conversation with the devil or with temptation or with pornography or with lust or with anger or with slander or with fighting with your spouse or being abusive to your children, don't, don't even initiate the relationship. If it is going to be something that you know could cause you to, to stumble and you know that Jesus, if Jesus died to, to save you from it, don't have a conversation with it. Expect Satan to play on your pride when he tempts you, when he gets you isolated. And you know what? I'll tell you this. Sometimes God allows Satan to sift people. He allowed Satan to sift Job. He allowed Satan to sift the Apostle Paul. He allowed Satan to sift the Apostle Peter. He allowed Satan to sift Jesus in the wilderness. The only way that we overcome temptation, when we have the conversation, see Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, he fasted, he had prayed, he was ready, and he was at his weakest physical point, but his strongest spiritual point, and the enemy comes up to him and starts to tempt him, and what Jesus did is the way that we must respond. If we have to have a face-to-face confrontation with Satan, we must overcome him with God's word. Otherwise, when I start to listen to the lie of the enemy that says God's word is not ultimate truth, if God's word is not ultimate truth, then I will begin to to believe the lie because the lie is always, always sprinkled with truth. But it is insidious and it is hurtful and temptation always ends up when you do fall to it, hurting you and those around you and your witness and so we see here that he, he directly contradicts in verse 4 what God has said. The serpent said, you will not die. And then he plays on Eve's humanity by saying, you'll be like God. And Adam and Eve knew God was powerful. They knew what God had done. He had created everything. He'd given Adam a task to rule everything. They were the only people. And so, by the conversation that the enemy has with Eve, by playing to her pride and by trying to show her a shiny, delicious-looking fruit, then she sees the tree. It's interesting to me that Satan wants to get you into a place and the enemy wants to get you into a place in temptation that you really take a long, hard stare at the sinful thing he wants you to do. And it usually looks good. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, sinful pleasure and temptation will always look good to your fleshly eyes. That's why the carnal mind is enmity against God. That's why the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What are you looking at? What are you studying? What are you being tempted with? What are you struggling with? What are you falling to? You're not going to eat the fruit of whatever your struggle is unless you first look at it and dwell on it. And let lust for whatever it is, money, power, sex, whatever the thing is, you're not going to fall for it unless you have this moment. So when you start to have this moment, the only thing you can do, what Eve should have done, is run. Run away. Run to God. He was walking around the garden, or he was, he was accessible. They were in communion with him. All she had to do in that moment was run away. Since the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes... In this moment, God, I just ask that whatever the enemy wants to get me with that's pleasant to my human eyes but damaging to my witness and to my walk with you, I pray in the name of Jesus you'd help me to overcome it, and I I hope that's your prayer. It says, and a tree desirable to make one wise. Satan will prey on your naivety. He'll prey on your lack of knowledge. Oh, this, this this will help me. See, now Satan has posed it as this. It's not only good for food. It doesn't only look good to my eyes, but it's also going to make me smart. It's also going to make me wise. It's also going to make me feel like like I've accomplished something. Drugs do that. Oh, this will really give you a good high. This will really give you, or alcohol, this will really make you feel good, man. Here's what I would say to anyone struggling with those things. When Satan tempts you to do that, know this, that emptiness always follows any high that's not the Spirit of God resurrecting dead people and lost people and bringing us into life. There is no greater, more fulfilling thing than walking with Christ, and that is the truth. Drugs, alcohol, addictions to to pornography, to sex, to lies, to to whatever the other things are that, that people struggle with. And there are a lot of things that we all struggle with. Addiction to social media is a huge one. You are not going to find fulfillment. You are only going to find that the end of that road is emptiness and pain. And that you you wake up at the bottom of the barrel looking up and, and think to yourself, I've wasted time. What do I do now? Can I ever get out of this? The good news is that God had a redemption plan for Adam and Eve. He has a redemption plan for you. But she says, or she, said, she sees the tree. It's desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. I would say 99 out of 100 times, if you get to this point in the temptation process, you start having the conversation You don't recognize the source of it. When you get all the way to this point in the temptation process, you are going to fall. You're going to fall. You have to set up safeguards that don't allow you to get to this point. She took it and she she ate. She also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves coverings. 
And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. The next step after falling to temptation, the very next reaction that you're going to have is to hide what you've done. Because Satan knows that in the moment that you have fallen, if he can get you to hide and try to lie and deny that you've even done it, then he'll get you again and again and again. And it'll be a secret sin that you struggle with forever. What God wants to do is to shine light on that darkness. What Jesus wants to do is to walk into the middle of your mess right now. And he wants to say, take the computer and give it to someone else until you can handle it. Take your cell phone and put safeguards up. Put the covenant eyes on your cell phone. Put the pure eyes on your cell phone. Whatever the, the, the program you've got, whatever you've got to do, put the alcohol away. Stop sneaking around on your wife. Stop sneaking around even on your girlfriend, high schoolers, middle schoolers. Stop, stop lying. Stop twisting the truth to get what you want and realize that there is much more at play and much more at stake here than you think. If you have to hide it from God, then Jesus died for it. So if you're hiding something from God right now, or you think you are, or you're hiding something from your mom and dad that you're also trying to hide from God, and you don't want anyone to know that your area of temptation keeps getting you, the best thing you can do is confess it to a brother or a sister in Christ that you can trust and talk about it. Because here's the deal. Nobody gets freedom in isolation while hiding it. What's really sad about this story to me is that the innocence um, of Adam and Eve was, was lost. And in that moment of losing innocence, they also took on shame. And they had to co- they, they actually hid themselves. But the crazy thing is they didn't just hide themselves from the God that they walked around in the garden with. They hid themselves from his presence. And temptation drives you out of the presence of God. Temptation drives you away from God's hope and into bondage. And bondage only increases. And James says that Um, desire, when it has conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. At the end of the road, at the end of temptation, is death. Don't have the conversation. Don't eat the fruit of lust. Don't eat the fruit of slander. Don't eat the fruit of gossip. The eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings. And I think it's interesting that even in their sin, they still heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. He was still there. He was still the same. He still loved them. He was coming to talk to them. He actually already knew what they'd done. In the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? God might be saying that to you today. Where are you? 
God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you've done. He formed you in your mother's womb. But here he stands in your garden, in your lostness, in your struggle, saying, where are you? Where is my child? I made you. I want this relationship with you. But this sin thing is going to cause a rift. Is God saying, where are you to someone listening right now? So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? A lot of people that I know that want to party and live the the drinking, partying, smoking lifestyle, it's not that they're worse people than me, but I think that one one thing that I notice about those people is they just want to have fun. They just want to enjoy life. YOLO. You only live once. That's true. And that is the exact reason I believe that God gives us commands. It's not to make us miserable. It's to keep us It's to keep us in his presence because in his presence is where I have fullness of joy. In his presence is where I I can worship and praise like no other. In his presence is where I I am having communion. I'm having relationship. I'm having conversations. I'm able to pray. I'm able to praise. But, But when I get outside of his presence, that's where I hurt. That's where I'm lost. And the thing about, about partying and, and the thing about drinking and the thing about disobeying God's commands to have fun is that it only leaves you in the least fun place possible all the time. Temptation always ends with the next morning after being drunk, hungover, or empty, or you, or you messed up with another girl or boy, and, and you... And you, you, you you sinned, and, and now you've not only damaged yourself, but you've also damaged them because God had a better plan. And his plan is, and his plan was, and it still is, that you know that you find somebody that God has for you, and you marry that person. And if that's not God's plan for you, stop trying to force it. But God says, have I not commanded you that you should not eat of that tree? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me She gave me of the tree and I ate. The next natural step for humanity is to blame God for the temptation. God gave a clear mandate. God gave Adam everything literally on earth to rule over. And then he gave him a beautiful wife. And Adam was with Eve through the whole temptation. He wasn't blindsided. He was interested too, but he let her take the fall for it, and then he blames it on God. God, you gave me the source of my temptation, the woman. She gave me of the tree, and I ate. He said it like he didn't know. Isn't it, isn't it natural human nature to, 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 to tell our, our reasons, to tell our reasons in such a way that um, sound better? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I lusted because... But because somebody else did this and somebody else did that. Yeah, yeah, I lied. Yeah, I, I didn't come to work today because, well, well, I, I um, blah, 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 blah. And in this case, it's the woman you gave to me, she, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. It's just my wife gave me some food. 
It'd be like me saying, well, well my wife, Jordan, she, she gave me the steak, God, and I just ate it when I, when I sat there and watched her take the steak from the devil's hands. You know, it's, just, it's not smart. It's so true that we're guilty of this. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent serpent deceived me, and I ate. Temptation is hand is always temptation always goes hand in hand with deception. Deception always flows from Satan. Jesus said, You are of to the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil who was a liar from the beginning and is the father of all lies. Know this. The only way to know that a lie is a lie is to know the truth and to walk in the Spirit of God. The serpent deceived Eve and she ate. So the Lord God cursed the serpent. Sorry, my phone was ringing. The Lord God cursed the serpent. And he says this in 3.15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, that's offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain shall you bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, you, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. I want to share the hope of this story. Um, we've seen the pain of the story that now mankind is without hope. Um, and God chooses, if you look through the next few chapters of Genesis, God chooses men. He chooses Noah because Noah was righteous and, and, and followed God. And he, he destroys everything, he gets so wicked on earth that God destroys everything except for Noah and his family. And then out of Noah's lineage, we see that God chooses Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And he calls him out to be the father of many nations and the father of the children of Israel and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all through, you see people falling to temptation and God raising them back up in grace and falling to temptation and raising them back up in grace. And then Ultimately, the hope that we have today is in Genesis 3.15 and also in Luke 23 where Jesus bore the curse of our sin. This that started in Genesis and, and, and it still endures to this day, our struggles, our sin, our, our, our fallen nature. Now we have hope because of the sacrificial blood in the, of the Lamb of God, Jesus, that was poured out at Calvary for you and for me. So know this today in your temptation. I will say this. Recognize that Satan is smart. And if you are not acting smart, he will outsmart you. Recognize also that when the conversation starts, even if it's in your heart or your mind, 
should I do that? Or you have that sudden urge to sin, that temptation hits you. James says we're enticed when we're drawn away by our own desires. So when your own desire starts to to, to lean towards a, a sinful fleshly issue, realize this, in that moment, you've got you've to capture that thought. You've got to take that thought captive and, and weigh it against the word of God. And you've got to walk in the spirit and say, no, I'm going to run away from this problem. And sometimes you're going to have to do stuff that is extremely drastic. Set up a castle around your life that keeps sin out. Wherever your sin area is, get accountability and get hope and get help. You are not going to be strong enough in your weakness to overcome your greatest struggle. You're going to be strong enough when you've set up disciplines and safeguards to fight Satan and to win the victory. And my encouragement for you today is this. Don't have the conversation. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. If you get into the conversation, use the word like Jesus did. Even if God allows the conversation between you and your enemy, Satan, claim the truth and the promises of his word. 1 John 4 4 says this, that you are of God, little children, and have overcome the world because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That we are not wrestling against flesh and blood in Ephesians 6, but against principalities and powers. And then Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 gives us the full armor of God that we can wear to overcome and defeat Satan. That we can stand on the rock. It doesn't necessarily say run. Sometimes it's just stand. Don't take one step forward. Don't take one step back. Stand, resist, and the devil will leave. Don't have the conversation. Use the word of God and recognize where your victory comes from. That's the final point. Recognize where your victory is coming from. Your victory comes from a cross and an empty grave. Your hope comes from Jesus alone. I'm justified, I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I've been forgiven, I've been renewed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is where my hope is found. I cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. I walk in his spirit so that I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. When temptation comes, I know that that he will not allow anything, he will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I am able, but with every temptation, my God will also provide a way of escape. So know this, there is a way out of the thing you may feel stuck in today. There is hope in that situation. There is life for you. There is a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. There are, there are so many things that we miss when it comes to temptation. A lot of us are stuck in the very first stage. We don't even recognize that it's the devil or just as equally as bad. Sometimes we blame the devil for stuff that's not his fault. And what I mean by that is that, yes, temptation emanates from Satan and it comes from uh, his heart. He's the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. But sometimes we just act like a son of disobedience and we choose to, to go out and enter and interject ourselves and to place ourselves in a position where we're going to be tempted. Sometimes your decisions to walk into Satan's territory allow Satan to tempt you. And other times, the Lord allows Satan to sift you. So what? E- w- either one, 
our hope has to be on the cross. It has to be on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that he is alive, and by his spirit, he is alive in me, and he's called me out of the darkness into marvelous light. He's translated me from that kingdom to this kingdom. So you are not a citizen of the kingdom of Satan. So stop living like his. You have the capacity, you have the ability to step out of that by stepping into relationship and into further relationship with Jesus Christ. And whatever you do, when you fall, don't hide yourself from the presence of God. Because the hope is in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of, sin, of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Walk in righteousness, in faith, in hope, in love today. I just challenge you... Um, to, to like this podcast, to share it. If, it. if it spoke to you on the subject of temptation, um, then I just, my prayer is that we will all take these words to heart, that God will use this, um, this word from Genesis to give us the ability and the passion and the desire to overcome our, our secret sin, to overcome our temptations, to walk in freedom and in new life because Jesus has bought that for us as his church. Thank you so much for listening. I, uh, I'm praying for you guys. Let's all overcome in this day and age, in this time, during this outbreak of the coronavirus or whatever comes in the future by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Keep believing in the power of the blood of the Lamb. Keep speaking your testimony, sharing his story and your story as we grow in Christ together and we go forward for the kingdom of God. Please like this video, comment, share, subscribe, all those things that you know how to do uh, so that more people can hear about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you all for listening.